Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. so many of you today, so many way on holidays, I thought we might have a home group, but it's wonderful to see just so many of you here and uh, to have the privilege of speaking. Boys and girls, we want you to do the journey with us. It was fabulous to have Xavier uh, lead us in prayer this morning and young uh, children are taking part in the service, well, one child, and uh, some of the young people from our youth group are going to bring me uh, my readings today. But boys and girls, I want you to make the journey with us because I'm sure you'll understand today's talk and I want you to think about two things for a start shopping and the first day of school. How on earth does that relate to the feasts of Israel? Graham's had a little senior moment. No, no, it does relate. Think about shopping and the first day of school. And come and get an activity sheet. We've uh, Our MPK team has pr- created some great activity sheets for you to do and do those while you're listening in. Come and get them now. They're down on the front of the stage here. Hope you've brought your own pens and pencils because with COVID we're not sharing, but we'd love you to have those. Think about shopping. You know, shopping means going to the shops these days, doesn't it? You've got to get in the car and get to the supermarket and find a park and then find a trolley and go up and down the aisles. I know nothing of this. Mill does it all, God bless her. But you go up and down the aisles and, and, uh, and then get through the checkout and then back to the car and load it in and get it home and load it out. I can remember when the bread and the milk and the green groceries came to your door. You just stayed home. And the ice came sometimes as well. And when the, man, when the men came to empty your rubbish bin, they came in and found it. You didn't have to put it out the front. Not sure this is progress somehow. In fact, the bread came in a, in a cart like this uh, when, when I was a kid. Thanks. That's it. The bread came in a cart like that. In fact, that cart used to go around Palmyra. That's the Miller's Bakery cart. And the Miller's Bakery is a historic site in Palmyra today. It's preserved as a historic site. And I've just made some people in the room feel very ancient. But the reason that I mention that is that the bread that came out of the cart, I don't know how they did it, but it was warm still. And if you were sent, as you were taking it back into your mum, you could peel little strips of it off and eat. It was wonderful. The reason I mention it is because today's festival has a lot to do with bread. We're celebrating the feasts, as Nick has just told us, and here they are on the screen now. The, the feasts are, uh, as, as Nick outlined them, and today, indeed, we're up to Pentecost. Nick introduced it with Passover. Peter took us through the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Mim talked about first fruits. Today, we look at Pentecost, and today, as every day of the series, we're doing three things. Look at the feast as it used to be. See how Jesus has fulfilled the feast and what does it mean for us? Our feast today is interesting and different to the others in at least two ways. One, it has more names than I've had hot dinners. It's got so many aliases, a.k.a. also known as. If it was a person, it would never get through border security. So we're going to look at all these names and why it might have all these names. And secondly, it changed its focus in between Moses and Jesus. 
So we'll see both of those things, but first we better have a look at the feast. Here it is in Leviticus chapter 23, and it says, From the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, that's what Mim told us about last week, count off seven full weeks, count off 50 days, up to the day after the seventh Sabbath, and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. From wherever you live, bring two loaves made of two-tenths of an ephah of the finest flour, baked with yeast. That's unusual. It's normally unleavened, isn't it? baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. There's another screen. From that same day, you are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. So the if we go straight on to the next screen, the... Um, Festival was called, first of all, the Festival of Weeks, Shavuot. In fact, Kag HaShavuot is the, the, name, the full name of the festival. Shavuot in Hebrew means weeks. And they said, count off seven full weeks. To the Hebrews, this was a week of weeks. And it was a big deal. Seven was a big number for them. And a week of weeks was kind of like the whole nine yards. It was the complete, the complete package. We've done the whole journey. Then the 50th day, as you could see, it says then count off 50 days in verse 16. In Greek, 50 is Penta, Pentecost. So that's where we get our name, Pentecost. So it's the Festival of Weeks, Shabbat. It's Pentecost. And Mim talked about how last week, last week she talked about how they'd wave the barley offering and go the first day of Omar, the second day of Omar. They'd literally count it off. A bit like us counting down to Christmas. How many days to Christmas? I'm not going to tell you because you'd panic. But it's the, and, the, and it was like that in another way. This festival was a joyous festival. It was a time of great celebration. So the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, was a festival they looked forward to. And that's why you see on the bottom of the screen there, they were commanded, rejoice. When you come to this festival, rejoice before the Lord your God. Now on the next screen I'm showing you that this feast had, Mim talked about barley. By this time the wheat has become ripe. They've harvested the wheat. And so this festival, celebrate the Festival of Weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And because it was a harvest, here's its second name. It was called not only Shavuot and Pentecost, but it was also called Kag Hakatsia, the harvest festival or the reaping festival. Celebrate the festival of harvest with the first fruits, excuse me, in Exodus 23. You can see there they were to bring two loaves of the finest flour baked with yeast as a wave offering of first fruits to the Lord. We'll look at some reasons why maybe that yeast was involved here a little bit later on. First fruits, first fruits. There was another name that it had. First fruits were actually bikurim in Hebrew. And so this, they, in this festival of weeks, they also had yom habikurim, the day of first fruits. On the day of first fruits, Numbers tells us, when you present to the Lord an offering of new grain. So it was Festival of Weeks, Pentecost, Harvest Festival, Reaping Festival, and had the Day of First Fruits. I wonder if you remember last week Mim said, when we have a Harvest Festival, we think of all sorts of different fruit, but not in her case, though she was talking about just barley. Well, in this festival, over the generations, fruits got involved. In fact, the people began to bring offerings, but not just any offering. They brought the first and best, the best of the first fruits of some special things. Let's have a look uh, at those on the screen now. They brought the things the Lord promised them in the land he was taking them to. 
He said, I'm taking you to a land of vines. So you see the grapes there, fig trees, they're there, pomegranates down the bottom there, and olive oil and honey. And they would bring these. They would get the finest. They'd put them in baskets that were lined with silver and gold. They'd put them in ox carts and the ox horns were gilded and had floral garlands around them. And as they came through the towns, they would have music and processions. It was a joyous big deal. Where were they heading? Jerusalem, of course. When in doubt, always answer Jerusalem in the feasts. You'll rarely be wrong. It's like answering Jesus in, an, in a general question about things, right? Jerusalem, that's where they were going. They were heading to Jerusalem because this was one of three times, three feasts, where they were pilgrim feasts. The people were commanded from wherever they lived, as we read earlier, to come to Jerusalem. One, Nick told us about Passover, Peshach, Shavuot, Pentecost, and they come for Sukkot in Tabernacles. We'll hear about tabernacles as we get further into the series. Those three times from wherever they lived, they were to journey to Jerusalem. Mary and Joseph, we're told in Luke's gospel, went to Jerusalem every year for Passover. That's how Jesus got to be in the temple as a boy. Jesus went to the Feast of Tabernacles, we're told, in John chapter 7. And it's a big deal that people were coming from all over the world. And we'll see about that in just a moment. Now, the second interesting thing about this feast, the focus of the feast changed. Over the generations, and we haven't got time to go into why, the focus changed from harvest and fruit to the day God gave his word on Mount Sinai, the day that they received the Torah, the day Moses received the Ten Commandments. The rabbis used to teach that that was 50 days after the Passover. And so they, the, the focus changed to the day God gave his people his word on Sinai. And we're going to hear some of that story. Summer Phillips is going to read for us. Summer, thank you. Exodus chapter 19, verse 16 to 18. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke, because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up, from it like a smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. Okay, thank you, Summer. Great. Beautifully read, one. Thank you very much. Um, that Now, they trembled with fear. I think it's hard for me, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to imagine what that must have been like standing at the foot of that mountain. The, the, the terrifying cloud and the lightning. But the most confronting thing of all was the voice. And if you think, hang on a minute, Summer didn't read about a voice. Well, that word thunder that she read, in Hebrew it's the word kol, and it means the voice. So if you read it literally, it says that they actually saw the voice. But the writer to the Hebrews, remember the person who wrote Hebrews is writing to Hebrew Christians, and he makes it very clear they heard a voice. He says, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, burning with fire, darkness, gloom and storm, or to such a voice speaking that those who heard it begged that no further words be spoken to them. The people said, this is too much. You go and talk to him, Moses, and come back and tell us what he says. But, you know, when the people celebrated Shavuot, 
and God coming down to Sinai, that wasn't what they focused on. They did, terrifying as it was, they didn't focus on the event. Stunning as it was, they didn't focus on that. How, where was their focus? Well, funnily enough, one way that helps us understand it is the first day of school. I wonder if you remember your first day of school. I remember which school it was. I don't remember particularly the first day. Maybe tell the person next to you where you, what school did you do your first day? Got one, yeah, 10 seconds like Mim gave you last week. Where did you have your first day of school? Okay, unless it's a very long name, you've already done that. That's all good. <laughs> okay, see, first days of school are very important to the, they're important to the kids who go, but they're hugely important to the parents, aren't they? So the kids kind of go to school and either like it or don't like it so much. The parents have the photos and the grandparents even more important. I have photos of the first day of school of each of my grandchildren that have got there yet, one still to go, but they're, they're precious to us. Well, do you know the rabbis? I found some work by a guy called David Golonkin, who's president of the Schechter Institute of Jewish Studies in Jerusalem, and he says it was the custom of our ancestors to bring children to school for the first time on Shavuot. It's time for someone's medication. Uh, <laughs> for the first time on Shavuot, because Shavuot was when God gave us his word. They brought children to school for the first day on the day God gave them his word. And we're very fortunate. We have a very special guest this morning, a rabbi. Rabbi John is going to join us, I hope. Yes, he is. Would you make him welcome, please? <laughs> and a very triumphant rabbi, I might say. Uh, so Rabbi John joining us. And the, 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 uh, we also happen to, oh, by the way, in this ceremony of the children going to school for the first time, there were things the rabbi would say, things the parent would say, and the child would repeat them. But uh, this morning, uh, we are, uh, this morning, just wait there, we're not, we're not, just hang on guys, just a bit ahead of things, yeah, just maybe go back down again, I think, just because <laughs> you've, you've left for school before I've even told them what they have to do yet. You can see this is over-rehearsed, very over-rehearsed. There were things that the, the rabbi and the child would say, but I'd like you to do those parts. That's why these words have appeared on the screen. So at the appropriate moment, we'll say the words together. Now, as it happens, we do have a child going to school for the first time today. And if you guys just come up on the stage now, but don't worry about the covering just yet, they would have had to get up very early in the morning because that is when they believe the people moved to the mountain. And as they left the house, the parents would say these words, let's say them together. In the morning of the third day, Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Now, once they were out of the house, as Nadia is now, they would cover, the family would cover the child exactly as you're seeing here. They would cover the child with a cloak and this was to remind the child that they were, they were standing at the foot of Mount Sinai covered in smoke. And as they covered the child, the family would say these words, they stood at the foot of Mount Sinai covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. Excellent, thank you. Then they would take the child to the rabbi, either to the synagogue or to the rabbi's house. Come with her. Yeah, yeah that's all right. That's it, yeah. No, you're not abandoning her. That's just, <laughs> she's not being put up for adoption. 
just wait there for now. And when they came to the rabbi's house, they would put the child on the rabbi's knee. (laughs) And the child would feel quite (laughs) self-conscious. The child, I think that's a beautiful picture. They put the child on the rabbi's knee because this was the way God had told Moses to lead his people. And the rabbi would say to her, you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised on oath to their ancestors. Isn't that a great verse for all Christian leaders? Carry them in your arms as a nurse carries an infant. Then the rabbi would open the scriptures. And of course the scriptures were on a scroll and would show the child the scriptures. And as the rabbi did, he would say, and the child would repeat, next screen. Moses gave us the Lord's instruction. The Lord called to Moses and Moses spoke to him. So those are the first words the child would say in school. Moses spoke to the Lord. Moses got the Lord's instruction. Then on the scroll and on a slate which had the alphabet, the alphabet forwards and backwards, was some honey. And the child would lick the honey from the scroll and from the slate. We're not going to do that today. With COVID, we're actually going to use a spoon. But normally, Nadia would be licking this from the scriptures. And as they took that, in, as the child enjoyed that, they would say these words together. Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Now, just before we thank our rabbi and family, can I just ask you to look at that picture? That is where the Lord wants you this morning, on his lap. His heart aches for you, not busy for him not stressed about your world, in his lap. Earlier we sang, I've tasted and seen of the goodness of God. I've tasted his goodness. At our retreat, as we started, the monks were singing a psalm and the words they sang were, savour the sweetness of the Lord. He wants you to savour his sweetness this morning. He so wants you, particularly those of you who came very half-heartedly today, don't really want to be here. He wants you to taste, not hear about the Holy Spirit, be filled with him and taste him and savour his sweetness and get some idea of how much he loves you. Would you thank our wonderful family? Thank you. Well, the rabbis called, uh, see, the focus wasn't the thunder and the lightning and all of that. The focus wasn't the event. As you've just seen, the focus was covenant. Not event, but covenant. Do you know what they call Shavuot to this day in the synagogues? The wedding day of God and his people. That's what they call Pentecost. This is the wedding day of the Father and us. And in some synagogues, they read a wedding document, a contract, a wedding contract, the ketchuba, as they have in Jewish weddings. And it's based on Hosea 2, I will betroth you to me. And they dress the scriptures in white like a bride. 
The fourth cup, they drank at Passover that Nick told us about. That fourth cup is the cup of covenant. I will take you as my people. Now, to give you an idea of how covenant changes how we see Sinai and how we see Pentecost, here's a couple of clips from the Bible Project. Now, I'll warn you, they jump from one to the other because we don't have a lot of time. So we'll look a look, first we'll look at Sinai and then we will look at Pentecost where Jesus... What was the festival before Pentecost? Weeks, count off the weeks, wait, wait. What did Jesus, Jesus spent some of those days of counting, teaching his disciples and then he ascended to heaven and what did he tell them to do? Wait. As Jews, what what have they been doing at this time of year for 1,500 years? Wait. Here it is. Now the second half of the book of Exodus opens as Moses leads Israel to the foot of Mount Sinai where God invites the nation of Israel to enter into a covenant relationship. And here we reach another key moment in the biblical storyline because this is picking up and developing God's promise to Abraham. So remember from the book of Genesis, God promised that through Abraham's family somehow he would restore his blessing to all of the nations. And here we find out more. God says that if Israel obeys the terms of the covenant, covenant. They will be so shaped by God's laws and teaching and justice that they will become a kingdom of priests, which means that they will become God's representatives and show all of the other nations what God is truly like. Now, the people of Israel eagerly accept the offer, and so God's presence appears right on the top of Mount Sinai in the form of cloud and lightning and thunder. And Moses goes up as their representative, and God opens with the basic terms of the covenant, the famous Ten Commandments. Then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a road map for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is going to come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival during the early summer and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. That was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus' body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. Okay, now... Okay, thank you. Summer is going to come and read us, uh, bring our next reading from the book of Acts. But as she's coming, let me quickly say two things. Pentecost wasn't new on the day of Pentecost. They had been celebrating this festival for 1,500 years 
And God chose to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on that day quite deliberately for all sorts of reasons we'll see in a moment. And secondly, the people were amazed to hear in their own languages because these people are from Galilee, from the bush. But, the, but this wasn't a new idea. For hundreds of years, the rabbis had been teaching that at Sinai, as the flames came and God spoke, miraculously it broke into 70 languages, so it was said simultaneously in every language in the world. could be understood by every language. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that happens, and it doesn't matter whether it did or it didn't. The people who came to Jerusalem that day and had this experience had that teaching from their rabbis. How is God's timing? Here's the story. Thanks, sir. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Fantastic. Thank you. Great job. All right, now I've got a map here for you, thanks, Cecilia, that, to have a look at. Remember I said it was a big deal that this was a festival that brought everybody into Jerusalem anyway? It was one of the three times a year they all came and God launches his mission from Jerusalem, Judea to the ends of the earth when people have come from everywhere. They've come from Crete and Cyrene and Egypt and, and from Elam and Media and Mesopotamia and Cappadocia and I love the fact, if you see there, they came from Rome. How far did the gospel go in the book of Acts? To Rome reached out and God had people from Rome in Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost. And remember, this is the Feast of Harvest. How many souls came into the king? The first great harvest happens when they had come for hundreds of years to celebrate the Feast of Harvest. It was a covenant and a covenant has two parties. So let me put on the screen for you the parties to this covenant. Here, here's the covenant, the Sinai Covenant. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he's promised you on oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. And as you saw on the screen, Israel says, oh, sign us up. We want that. But like me, they just couldn't keep their half of the bargain, could they? They just couldn't obey. They needed all those sacrifices because they kept falling short of the mark again and again and again. But they didn't just come to Jerusalem with their failure. They came with a promise. They had a promise of the prophet. Look at the bottom there. Ezekiel had said, I will put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees. I know you can't do it, but a day is coming when I will put my ruach, my wind in you. What came on the day of Pentecost? The ruach of God. They knew the ruach. 
When that wind blew in Jerusalem, they knew it. From that day on, the Hebrew Christians would call it Ruach HaKodesh, the holy, the holy wind of God, the Holy Spirit. But it was the Ruach Elohim that, that hovered over the waters on the first day of creation. When Daniel and Gideon and, and David, when they were in, when the Spirit in empowered them. It was the Ruach Yehovah, the wind of God. Ezekiel's whole vision began with this massive wind. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, hey, the wind blows wherever it wants, Nicodemus. We're talking about the world of the spirit. And that brings us to Jesus who fulfills the feast. The bread was made with fine flour, no coarse grain. That bread speaks of the purity of Jesus who as the Lamb of God was sinless and spotless. And John said, behold, as Nick reminded us, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said some other words. Here they are. I'll put them on the screen for you. I baptise you with, John said, I'm baptising you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. He will baptise you with the whole, as he is resurrected, he comes to his disciples and breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. But he tells them to wait and he gives them these fantastic words of promise. You will receive power when the Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses. God wants us to know Jesus not only as the Passover lamb who takes my sin away, but as the one who gives the Holy Spirit, the divine comforter that Nick read about as we started our worship today, to empower me to do what I cannot do. The blacks, when they shared with us last week, it was lovely to hear them talk about what was happening in Thailand. And Liz said, I'm telling you one story, I could tell you 10 amazing stories of what God is doing. And then the Glenn said, you know what, when people come to faith in that culture, it's because of some dramatic encounter with God. It's a healing or it's a dream or it's a vision but it's some dramatic encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, we need lots of discernment and that wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. They're seeing in Thailand what we're seeing here and what the Apostle Paul saw in Corinth. Let's put that on the screen for you. They are seeing that, he said, Paul said this to the people in Corinth, you're a letter from Christ, he's going back to Jer Jeremiah's words here, you're a letter from Christ written not with ink, written with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. God wants you to be a letter to your community, to your family, to your surroundings. He wants you to be his letter written in your heart by God the Holy Spirit, bringing you alive to reflect him in the way he created you to do and only you can do. The bread baked with leaven. Leaven often does mean not so good. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit doesn't wait until all the leaven's gone out of our lives to come in. He'll come in when there's plenty of leaven left in Graham Mabry. But he does ask me to do what Jesus did. When the Holy Spirit comes in, he asks us to do what Jesus did. A picture Jesus used. Cecilia, we'll have that last screen now, thanks. How much power does a kernel of wheat have? Well, if it's on its own, how much power to transform does it have? You know, wheat was found in King Tutankhamun's tomb 
It was radio data, you know, it was aged to be 4,500 years old and it was still just one grain. Transformation, zero. But 4,500 years ago, God put into every grain the power to transform. What takes it from one grain to transform? Very truly I tell you, Jesus said, talking about himself going to the cross, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. This morning, are you sitting on the Father's lap where he wants you? Are you savouring his sweetness? Will you die? See, these were the feasts of the Lord. They were held at the time, God said. They had to be held in the place. God decided the time. God decided the place. When people offered those loaves of bread, they were saying thank you, but they were also saying, Father, we have no power to do this on our own. We're utterly dependent on you. Jesus would have said the grace at Passover, blessed are you, Lord our God, who brings forth bread from the earth. You do. He told us to pray, Father, you need to give us each day our daily bread. We're utterly dependent on him. I want to finish with a challenge and a prayer, but a personal story. I had a week this week where I wouldn't want any of you to have. I wasn't in any great sin, sorry to disappoint you. There's nothing salacious coming. But it got worse and worse and worse. And I got a picture of myself late in the week like a hamster on a wheel, just running. And it didn't get any better. That picture didn't help a lot. And it came to a point, here I am going to be preaching on the Holy Spirit to you this morning. I was saying, Lord, I have to experience what I'm talking about or I'm a hypocrite, I'm a fake. And I got another picture of an eagle with its wings locked, flying under the wind of God. And it was almost like the Lord was saying, your choice, Graham. And as we were doing a planning meeting for this, Christine said something in our planning meeting that just exploded in my head. She said, Suppose it, defend, it depends who's your event director. And over here is Sarah, who's our event director today and doing a heap of work behind the scenes. We've had a meeting. We've decided what will happen. She's calling the shots. The Trinity had a meeting and they decided on you as the object of their love. But they need to be the event director. So are you the hamster in the wheel or are you being sustained by the wind of God? Last night about 9.30, I guess, I was just walking up and down in my study trying to run through these notes and I'd asked Merle to pray for me and said, I I just need. And God touched me and it changed. It wasn't any tongue of fire. It wasn't anything like Sinai. But it all changed. And I've prayed that will happen for you now. Let's pray. Father, there is no point to all of my words this morning 
if all I've done is deliver a talk. Because your heart is to deliver a people. Holy Spirit, we don't want to hear about you. We do want to hear about you, but we want to experience you. We don't want to just hear. As the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, and if we stay in quietness, maybe not do any colouring in or anything just right now, an opportunity for you to do what I did last night. Lord, I'm desperate for you. Touch me. Take the clipboard. Run my life. I cannot pull myself up by my own shoelaces any more than Israel could. Boys and girls, you can pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, touch me now. Jesus said, you lot are pretty evil, but if your children ask for fish, you won't give them a snake. So how much more will your loving Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Will you ask him as we stand and sing together this next song now? Our worship team will lead us. Let's stand and make it a prayer and get off the hamster wheel. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.